Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. This doctor who impregnated several women with his own sperm. He's a fertility doctor up in the nation's capital. And uh, until we heard from Danny, where he's had his license revoked for professional incompetence or malfeasance or whatever, a discipline committee of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario was being asked to revoke his license, his medical license. They were being asked. I mean, who needed to ask? I mean, the guy disqualified himself. But listen, when it comes to these doctorly things, this is beyond my pay grade to understand anything and everything, including the province's advisory council on how they're going to reform the health system. We go to our own Global News Radio medical expert and ER doctor, Dr. Brett Belchetz. Dr. Brett, good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> On the case of this uh, fertility doctor from Ottawa, it's not the first time, by the way. Uh, he'd been previously disciplined for artificially inseminating several women with the wrong sperm and admitted to professional misconduct when he appeared before the committee in 2013, it says here. So uh, the second time was a charm. They finally took his license. He's 80 years of age. I mean, how hard is it for somebody, a doctor in your profession? I mean, I don't mean to turn on your profession here, but tell me, how hard is it to have a license revoked? It would really depend on, on you know, what the type of professional malfeasance is, what the act actually is. So there are many acts for which somebody can lose their license immediately. So acts of sexual relations with a patient will, will typically result in, in a physician losing their license immediately. Certain other types of misconduct, which are considered reprehensible or unacceptable for the profession, uh, you know, criminal charges and criminal convictions certainly can result in it as well, uh, if they are of a, uh, you know, particularly egregious nature. Uh, in this particular case, you know, the, in the earlier complaint, uh, one thing I, I guess I'm not clear on is whether or not he had already been admitting to these acts of uh, inseminating patients with his own semen. Now, if that was something in the original complaint, it would be very surprising. Uh, that they had not taken his license away. My guess is that uh, it was more of a finding of incompetence, just you know, using the wrong semen samples rather than using his own. Certainly, what we're seeing in, in this particular case, you know, crosses all lines. And this isn't just medical ethical lines. You know, this is an assault on these patients. And and, and to be honest, you know, this is something that that really goes into criminal territory almost more than it goes into medical malpractice. So so you know, I I think absolutely taking his license away at this point is just unquestionably the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I, I almost believe that that you know at this point in time, this is where criminal proceedings should be taking place as a next step. Yeah, listening to the woman who testified that I guess uh, her son uh, was, you know, the the doctor was a biological father. I mean, (laughs) it's a strange story, but uh, here we go. He's got his license revoked. Uh, He's not going to practice, but you're right about that. That's a criminal. That does, I guess that does in a bioethical way constitute an assault, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I mean, there's there's no question. You know, this is an assault on that person. It's an assault, on, you know, on their reproductive choice. Um, you know, I, I would be surprised. You know, if if the family or the people affected, if they had wanted to press charges, I would be surprised. And I'm I'm no lawyer, but I would be surprised if if prosecutors would not take this case. Uh, but you know, this is one of those few cases where you know, when we look at the the, the investigation in front of the college, where 
there is just no question that, that this should have been an easy and was an easy choice for the college to make. You know, sometimes there's a lot of gray zones where the college has some difficult choices to make to say, can we reform this position? It, was there an element of, you know, they meant well, but just made a bad call on a particular case. But in this one, there's just no question that, that this crossed every single line and, and that this is not somebody who should be practicing medicine, let alone holding any other job of responsibility. Again, with Dr. Brett Belchess, Global News Radio's medical expert. Let me ask you about the uh, advisory council that's been appointed by Premier Ford. They came out with their uh, second report on reforming the way health is delivered in this province. This is the Premier's Council on Improving Health Care and Ending Hallway Medicine. They're talking about things like uh, a digital first health strategy, including developing tools like virtual visits. Uh, what would a virtual visit be like? So uh, I'm going to preface uh, my answer by saying I think that this is, it, a lot of the right steps are, are what are outlined in this document. I think uh, uh, the proof will be in the pudding in terms of execution. These are, from a from an ideation perspective, definitely the, the directions that our healthcare system has to go in. Uh, a virtual visit is when a doctor sees a patient at distance. So a doctor would see a patient by interactive video, by audio, by instant messaging, et cetera. And this has been very, very well proven to be effective in other geographies. So uh, an example that I love to give is is a, a hospital system down in the United States called Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the largest hospital systems in the world. And they have uh, about 10 million patients. So they actually are about the size of Ontario. And if you look at their visits, uh, they claim that last year they were actually able to do 50% of all their patients virtually. So by video, by instant messaging, by audio, uh, et cetera. And so they've been so successful at actually moving visits from the physical world into the virtual world down there that they've actually had put a halt on all new hospital construction, uh, which is pretty phenomenal when you look at what we have in our pipeline here in Ontario, where we're looking at spending tens of billions of dollars on new buildings. If we could really successfully harness the power of virtual visits, all of that money could potentially be redirected at frontline care, which would be you know really where it's needed most badly. I was going to say, uh, so if people aren't visiting Emerge uh, and they're not parking down at the hospital, how does the hospital make money? Well, you know, there's many. (laughs) I'm only half kidding, you understand, because, I mean, the parking costs at hospitals. I mean, this is why I like the idea of the virtual visit. You don't have to get in the car. And uh, anyway, go on. Well, no, well, that's for sure. And, and, you know, never mind the cost of parking. It's the cost of transportation and travel. And or for many people, especially those in remote parts of this province, there may be no hospital emergency room facility or even a clinic facility that is convenient. So there are many patients in this province that are traveling hours to see the doctor. And especially when you're starting to think about specialized care, like certain forms of oncology and neurology and other parts of the healthcare system, where there just may not be a specialist in your part of the province, people are now forced to travel incredibly large distances to step into a specialist office and just have a discussion. So, you know, if we start to allow things like video visits, telephone visits, instant messaging, we can save people huge expense and huge amounts of time and inconvenience. Dr. Brett Belchett's Global News Radio's medical expert. On another aspect I was reading about uh, where Ruben Devlin, who's a provincial point man on this, uh, he's talking about advertising wait times at the hospitals. I mean, we see that in the States, or I do in Florida sometimes, you know, Mercy Hospital, 11 minutes, and uh, it's competitive down there in that sense, but uh, I guess here with the public health system, do you think that's a good idea? I do think it's a good idea, and the reason why I think it's a good idea is that when you are somebody who lives in a city like Toronto, where you may live equidistant from about three or four hospitals, it doesn't make sense for you to have no idea what you're getting into when you go to a particular hospital. And it doesn't make sense for you as a patient, but it also doesn't make sense for the hospital system as a whole, because 
there is so much erraticness in terms of where patients are going and what the wait times are at different hospitals. And so I've seen this working on the front lines where my hospital can be absolutely swamped with a seven-hour wait, whereas the hospital down the street is not swamped and they've got lots of extra capacity and the waiting room is maybe 20-minute wait. And yet more and more patients are coming to our hospital because they have no idea that down the street there's a better alternative. So we've got hospitals all over the city and it just makes sense for us to try to load balance the demand across hospitals. And so if patients could transparently know where the waits are shorter, what shorter, what we would hope to see is that we would see an equal distribution of the demand across the hospitals, which would make us more effectively and more efficiently able to care for all those patients across the system. You know, uh, on the uh, whole theme of innovation, as well as virtual care options, they talked about modernizing the home care sector. Uh, how do you envision that playing out? Well, I think there's a, a few ways that we need to modernize it. So so right now, there's a few barriers when a home care nurse goes to see a patient. There's barriers in terms of the home care nurse having access to the hospital records. Uh, it, it creates a lot of difficulties in giving effective care because they, they, they really are relying on very... Uh, you know, incomplete, short, handwritten notes that may have come from the hospital or from the physician, and oftentimes they can't properly care for the patient. So if we can institute shared medical records where the home care workers can actually see a lot of what happened in hospital, a lot more detail about what the treatments were, it will allow them to be more effective. If we can deliver enhanced communication tools where a home care worker can actually liaise with a nurse or a physician when they're out in the home and there's a case that they're unclear of, a lot of the time what ends up happening is home care workers will go to see a patient uh, they're concerned about the condition of that patient. And if they need a physician's opinion, the only thing that they can do is send that patient to emerge. And I see that left, right, and center when I'm in the emergency room where I see a patient that was sent in by the home care worker, where had I just been able to receive a, a phone call or a video call from that home care worker, we could have prevented that emergency room visit. So, you know, if we can enhance the, the sharing of records, enhance communication technologies out in the field, I think we can make a huge difference to the effectiveness and the efficiency of the delivery of these kinds of services. Yeah, you know, uh, they do say that stronger partnerships between health and social services, another area where uh, improvement can be made, according to Ruben Devlin. Again, he's been appointed to uh, oversee this file, along with Christine Elliott, the health minister. And there have been criticisms early on saying, well, you know, the Ford government has cut back on health care. Uh, meanwhile, they say, no, we've actually spent more on that. I don't know where you stand on that, but would you uh, necessarily agree that there were reforms that were necessary to do and to find efficiencies and streamline the system is exactly what the doctor ordered, so to speak? I would agree 100%. If you look at the history of the economics of healthcare in Ontario, we've seen that the population of this province grows by about 1% per year, but our spending on healthcare has been growing at about 3% per year. And you don't have to be a mathematician to know that that's not sustainable. And in the past, our solution has always been every time we see a healthcare crisis, the only solution is to pour more gas in the tank. And, and my analogy about our healthcare system is it's very much almost felt like the Titanic cruising towards that iceberg. And so, you know, previously, whenever we saw that we were going towards the iceberg, we would just put more gas in the tank. And I think what we were doing is accelerating our course towards the iceberg. So I am very, very happy to see that now the strategy is let's not just pour more gas in the tank, let's actually try to change the direction of the ship. And I really hope that this turns out to, to actually work and to be effective because I think it's badly needed. And our system, you know, really, if these aren't effective, our system is certainly very close to facing many, many different forms of crises, which we may not be able to return from if we don't right the ship very soon. It's a great analogy. Uh, I really appreciate your valued insights each and every time. And uh, today's no uh, exception. Thanks a lot, Dr. Brett Belchutz. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Uh, there he is, Global News Radio's medical expert. I like that. The Titanic.
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 